Hey, what's up, everybody? Sean Aiton here, and welcome to the Tips from Crypt Podcast, your place for quick tips about pre-hospital emergency and critical care transport medicine. In this episode, I'm continuing our series, 52 Weeks of Epic, with a lesson from the section on flight physiology where we're talking about the gas laws. And if you spend any time around the air medical environment, you've absolutely heard people talk about the gas laws. There are five essential gas laws that you need to know. The first one is Boyle's Law. Number two is Dalton's Law, Charles' Law, Henry's Law, and Fick's Law. Now, this is by no means all of the gas laws, and this is not even all the gas laws that pertain to air medical transport. You've got Graham's Law, Gay-Lussac's Law, and the Ideal Gas Law. But I've chosen these because these actually have a direct impact on the way we care for our patients. So, let's start with Boyle's Law. What is Boyle's Law? Boyle's law says that at a constant temperature, the volume of a gas is inversely proportional to its pressure. All right, let me say that again. At a constant temperature, the volume of a gas is inversely proportional to its pressure. Okay, so in simple terms, as the pressure goes down, volume goes up. Okay, now how do I remember this? Well, I think of Boyle's uh, B for balloon. Okay, and what happens to a balloon when it goes up higher in the sky? Because the balloon is capable of stretching, just like the balloon on your ET tube, it expands. The atmospheric pressure drops, and therefore the expanding volume of gas inside the balloon causes the container to expand. So, what are the physiological effects of Boyle's law? Let's think about uh, ET cuffs, Foley uh, Foley cuffs. Blakemore tubes, any other cuff that you might be using on your patient. Maybe you've got a, bl- uh, a blood pressure cuff on, on their arm. Could be a neonate, right? And they've got a small cuff on their ankle. That cuff still has air in it, even though it may be deflated. As the pressure goes up, the cuff will expand. If you're talking about an ET cuff, that expansion can actually cause tissue necrosis within the trachea. Very important to keep an eye on. You need to watch those cuff pressures, and you may even consider filling those cuffs with saline if you're going to have large changes in atmospheric pressure. Air inside of an IV bag can cause your infusion rates to change as that air expands and pushes pressure down on the fluid. So the best way you deal with this is you remove all of the air from your IV bags before flight. Air inside of a pleurovac can actually cause a tension pneumo that's been vented to retention. That air can expand and push back into the chest. So make sure that your pleurovacs are vented or they're placed to suction. What about air trapped inside of a body cavity, like a small pneumothorax or a pneumocephalus? You put a patient in your helicopter and you take them up to the altitude, that small pneumothorax, uh, if there's enough air in there, can actually tension. Pneumocephalus can actually cause neurologic changes and permanent neurologic damage. So you need to keep in mind these conditions and what's going to happen in your transport environment to these patients as a result of this air. And then sinuses, okay? Clogged sinuses will cause severe pain, not only on ascent, but also on descent because of a lack of ability to equalize the pressure in those sinuses. So that's the effects of Boyle's Law. The next one is Dalton's Law. And Dalton's law says the total pressure of a mixture is equal to the sum of the partial pressures of each gas in the mixture. Okay, 
Let me try to break this down for you. And this one's going to be a little bit complicated. I definitely encourage you to come on over to the show notes and read through this portion of uh, of the notes because I go into a lot of detail on how to calculate FIO2 requirements uh, in this section. So it's definitely a good one to take a look at. So put another way, the partial pressure of a gas in a mixture is equal to its percentage within that gas. Okay, so let's think about that. At sea level, the standard atmospheric pressure is 760 torr. And we know the air is made up of 21% oxygen. So how do we figure out the partial pressure of oxygen? Well, we multiply the standard atmospheric pressure in this example by 0.21 or 21%, and that gives us 160. So 160 is the partial pressure of oxygen in normal atmospheric air at normal atmospheric pressure at sea level. Okay, again, come on over to the show notes and take a look at that. It'll it'll make a lot more sense. So what are the physiologic uh, effects of Dalton's Law? Well, the biggest one is crew members may require oxygen at higher altitudes in unpressurized cabins because of Dalton's Law. Patients may require supplemental oxygen just because you're flying them at altitude. Patients who are already receiving supplemental oxygen to maintain normal oxygenation will require higher FiO2s during flight. Okay, and I underline this in the show notes because I've seen this question show up on the air medical exams uh, fairly regularly, and I go through over in the show notes how to actually calculate your FiO2 in order to maintain the same oxygenation status uh, once you put the patient in the helicopter and fly them up to altitude. It's a little bit uh, cumbersome, so come on over to the show notes, but the easy answer is you just need to turn the oxygen up a little bit. If you're only going up a couple thousand feet, give them an extra one or two uh, liters per minute. That'll be more than sufficient. Remember, when we're flowing oxygen and not running it through a ventilator, one liter approximately equals another 4% FiO2. An extra two liters is approximately 8% FiO2, and so on. If you are anticipating large changes in atmospheric pressure, say you're picking somebody up at sea level and you have to fly them over a mountain range and climb up over 10,000 feet, that's a fairly significant change in altitude. That's a fairly significant decrease in partial pressure of oxygen. You might need to turn them up three or four uh, extra liters per minute or another 15 to 20 uh, percent FiO2. Now, like I said, there is a way to actually calculate specifically how much you're going to need to titrate up their FiO2, but it does take converting inches of mercury to millimeters of mercury using a multiplier and then doing some other math in order to figure out exactly how you need to titrate your FiO2. So come on over to the show notes and take a look at that. It'll really be useful for you down the road. All right, the next law I want to talk about is Charles' Law. And Charles' Law, uh, I think C for Celsius, okay? So Charles' Law is the temperature law. And it's the law that states that the volume of a gas at constant pressure is directly proportional to the absolute temperature. What does this mean to you? It means as the temperature goes up, volume of a gas will go up. And as the temperature goes down, the volume of the gas will go down. Okay, so how do you apply this to your patient care? How do you apply this to your practice? Well, think about air bubbles in an IV line. You have a patient inside an ICU. Now you're going to take them out into the helicopter where it's hot. Those air bubbles will expand or air in your IV bag 
will expand when you move them from a cool environment into a warm environment, okay? So that can cause problems with your IV pump. It can also cause problems with flow rates. So like I said previously, make sure that you're getting out all the air from your IV bags when you're getting ready to transport a patient. If you have a patient who's on a pressure line, you need to make sure you get every last bit of air out of that line because those micro air bubbles will expand when you move a patient into a warm environment and then you take them up to a higher altitude. You're going to get bubbles in those lines that are going to affect your readings. Um, Charles Law also plays a role in the performance of our aircraft. It affects the density altitude. As temperature goes up, the volume of air will expand and this causes less dense air. So our aircraft performance will will suffer. All right, the next one is Henry's Law. Now, Henry's Law states that the amount of gas dissolved in a liquid is proportional to the pressure of the gas upon the liquid. What does that really mean? It means that the partial pressure of gas above a liquid is pushing down on the surface of that liquid, keeping an equal and proportional amount of that gas inside the liquid, right? We know that gas wants to move from an area of high concentration to an area of low concentration, or we know that there is a driving force, partial pressure driving force, trying to move gas from an area of high pressure to an area of low pressure. So if we have a certain amount of gas dissolved in a liquid, say blood or beer, there needs to be an equal amount of pressure from that same gas outside the liquid, keeping it in. The forces need to be equal. So the example that I like to use is a regular beer versus a nitro beer. I like nitro beer, so I, this example makes sense to me. Let's, let's look at the regular beer. What happens if you take a regular beer and you pour it quickly into a mug? It bubbles over. Why does it do that? It does that because regular beer is carbonated with CO2. Now, there's less CO2 in the atmosphere, only about 0.04%, pushing back, keeping the CO2 inside the beer. Take nitro beer, uh, on the other hand. Nitro beer is infused with nitrogen, and we know nitrogen makes up about 78% of our atmosphere. So there's more nitrogen in the atmosphere pushing down on the nitrogen that's inside the beer. Therefore, it doesn't bubble over. You can take a nitro beer and pour it hard into a mug, and it doesn't bubble over, assuming that there's enough. it's a large enough mug. But you can't do that with a regular beer. And that's because the partial pressure of nitrogen in the atmosphere is pushing down on the nitrogen that's dissolved in the beer. Okay? I hope that makes sense. What is the physiologic effects of this? The two big places we see this cause problems is one, rapid or explosive decompression of an aircraft, a pressurized aircraft at altitude, and two, decompression sickness. Now, with uh, individuals who are scuba diving, when they're scuba diving, they're down low, there's lots of pressure pushing down on them, and there's lots of pressure pushing that nitrogen into their blood. And so if they come up too quickly, 
that nitrogen doesn't have an opportunity to be blown off, and so it bubbles out of their blood into their tissue and causes the bends. And that's because there's there's not enough partial pressure of nitrogen in the atmosphere at sea level to keep the nitrogen in the blood that was pushed in when they were down deep at two, three, five atmospheres. All right, the last law I want to talk about uh, in this episode is Fick's law, okay? And Fick's law says the net diffusion rate of a gas across a fluid membrane is proportional to the difference in partial pressures, proportional to the area of the membrane, and inversely proportional to the thickness of the membrane, okay? So there's three variables here when we talk about Fick's law. There's the partial pressure of the gas that's being pushed in, there's the thickness of the membrane, and there is the size of the membrane. And this has the most effect on our respiratory patients, okay? How do we improve our patients' oxygenation? We increase their FiO2, and we increase their PEEP or their CPAP. This law proves that FiO2 and pressure are the only two ways we can improve oxygenation. Okay, increasing the FiO2 thus increases the partial pressure of alveolar O2, which will increase the rate of both oxygen and CO2 diffusion. Okay, if we have a greater concentration of oxygen in the alveoli, then the total pressure within the alveoli is the result of oxygen, if it's 100%, and therefore we have a greater uh, partial pressure gradient for oxygen to move into the lungs. Likewise, we have zero partial pressure of CO2 in the alveoli because it's 100% oxygen, and therefore we have a greater concentration gradient for CO2 to move from the blood into the alveoli. All right, increasing alveolar pressure with either CPAP or PEEP will keep the alveoli open, which increases the surface area, and it thins the wall out, and it pushes secretions out of the alveoli thus increasing the rate of diffusion, okay? So Fick's law, again, the rate of diffusion is proportional to the partial pressure, the difference in partial pressure. It's proportional to the area of the membrane, and it's inversely proportional to the thickness of the membrane. I have a little image over uh, in the show notes that I drew to help explain this. Um, I hope this uh, makes sense to you. If not, leave your questions in the comments section over in the show notes, and I'll be sure to clarify. All right, that's all I have for this episode. I sure hope you uh, enjoyed this. If you do have a uh, comment or a question that you would like featured in a future episode of the podcast, come on over to the show notes page at flightgrit.com. Um, click at podcast on the, at the top of the page, and then you can click on uh, the blue button in the right-hand side to send me a message. If you do like the information that I'm sharing in this series, take a look at the Epic Review course, which you can find over at flightgrit.com. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and share this out with anybody you think would benefit from this. Until next time, remember education is good, but excellence through collaboration is much better. Stay safe and live well, and I'll catch you on the next episode of the Tips from Crypt podcast. Bye for now.